Right, we are in the period of fasting and prayer. Okay, I hope that all of us are doing something, isn't it? I mean, it's either those who have been fasting for a long time have started fasting on the 7th, fast until the 28th, uh, no water, no food. And those who are starting, we said, skip a meal. Okay? Uh, skip a meal, you know, don't eat breakfast, and use that time to pray, skip a meal. The following week, maybe you skip a lunch, and uh, breakfast and lunch, and so on. Maybe but by the last week, you are able to skip all the meals. Okay? Okay. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Okay, let's get into the Word of God. This morning, I want to speak from the topic. In this church, we have a, you know, a theme, a topic that we, 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 we put forward when we, we preach. And I want to thank Antibusi and Rotili. Uh, I mean, there's a lot of the word that they have actually spoken here this morning, which is, which is wonderful. I want to speak from the topic, faith more precious than gold. And I want to say this morning that your faith, the Bible says, is more precious than gold. And it says, because it's more precious than gold, you know that for gold to be refined, it must go through the furnace. For gold to be refined, it must go through extreme hot fire. And the Bible says, to show the genuineness of your faith, your faith will also go through fire to prove that it's actually genuine. So, what I want us not to forget this morning when we leave here is that our faith is very important. It's actually more important. It's more precious than gold. And I'm going, I'll talk about this a little bit, about, about this a little bit as I, as I go along. Okay, let's go to the next slide, Chuck. Let's hear what the, the word of God says about faith. And I'm, I, want, I must say this morning that faith is a very broad subject. We can talk about faith actually every Sunday, you know, 52, 52 weeks, uh, and never exhaust it. It's a, it's a very, very um, uh, vast subject, and I'm, I'm just going to scratch the surface this morning about faith. All right, the first thing the Bible says in the book of Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6, and I just want to say we want to emphasize in this church, and we want to overemphasize we all need to read the Bible on our own. Okay. And uh, also for us who preach, we have a responsibility. If, if I'm quoting Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6, I've, I've read the whole book of, I mean, the whole chapter of Hebrews. The, the whole book of Hebrews. So, so we, we don't want you to anchor your faith on a verse. Because, you know, somebody was telling me um, there was a verse on which they, you know, they, they believe in this verse. And then, and then like what Robotila was saying, and things don't happen according to that verse. And then when you go and read that verse, you find that, no, no, you read that verse out of context. So it's very important that we read the word of God. So if you read in the uh, uh, Hebrews chapter 11, it's where the Bible talks about faith, and it starts by defining faith, and it tells us about uh, people who believed in God, and uh, uh, it goes on and on about, about, about that. But the thing I just want to talk about there uh, in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6, it says, 
And without faith, it is impossible to please God. So, what the Bible says here, it is, there is no way in which you can please God unless through faith. And it says, because anyone who comes to him, to God, must believe that God exists. And that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. You know, there's a, there's a, there's a thing which goes on among the youth today. Uh, they are discouraged from doing good. Because there's a thing that youth are saying these days. They say, the good guys come last. So it doesn't help you to do good. Because the good guys will always come last. So you can, you can as, as well just be as bad and better as you can be. Because doing good is not going to help you. There's something which is very strong among the youth. I mean, I hear that all the time. And they will show you, I mean, show me anybody who has done anything good and anything good has come back to them. And I'm saying to you this morning, the Bible says, anyone who comes to God must believe that God exists and he's a rewarder of them that seek him that seek him earnestly. So we must believe that when we come to God, God will reward us when we seek him earnestly. And I want to say to you, remember, faith can be in the positive and it can also be in the negative. You know, there are people whose life is not going well because they believe in bad luck. You know, I have bad luck. I know even if I apply for this position, I won't get it. I know even if I try to look for a boyfriend, he will run away from me, etc., etc., etc. And by the way, that is faith which is very strong. And if you, if you have that kind of faith where you don't believe that you can seek God and he will reward you, you will actually get what you are believing. And that is the thing which is very sad about, about faith, that it can work both positively and also negatively. So, what the Bible is encouraging us to do is to believe that God exists. You know, there's this saying in Sipedi, which is very, very strong. We say, Mudimu on. You know, when you go through things and things don't go well, we keep on saying, you know what, don't forget. Mudimu on. And there's a song that we sing also, isn't it? What does it say? Mudimu on, Mudimu on. Yes, 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 yes. Okay, yes, 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 yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't want to impress you with my singing this morning, so. <laughs> right. So, you know, the Bible says there was a man at the well. And uh, this well, you know, an angel will come and then, uh, rur, you know the song? He'll come and stare, 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 stare. And then, you know, the first person who went in there will actually get well. And Jesus came to that, to, to that well, and he found a man who was there for 38 years. And Jesus asked him, do you want to be well? And then if, I mean, if you are there for 38 years, if Jesus asked you, do you want to be well, what were you going to say? Yes, I want to be well. But this man doesn't say, I want to be well. He says, no, uh, I can't go in there because every time I try to go in there, somebody goes in first. And then gives all these excuses. 
And Jesus is focusing on just one thing. Believe, believe, believe in me. Look at me, believe in me. Focus on what I want to do for you. Because the Bible says, he will reward those who earnestly seek him. And I, I want to say, even as we fast and we pray, believe God for good things. And you know, there are those of us who are married, believe good things for your spouse. Praise the Lord. Yeah, because, <laughs> yeah. And those of us who have children, believe good things about your children. You know, I was speaking to one man. He was talking ill about his children, you know, saying bad things about his children. And I was saying to him, but no, man, don't do that. Your children are good children. And he said, no, it's because you don't know them. This stupid, and then he said many, many other ways. And sometimes, we as parents, instead of having faith in God about our children, we condemn our children. We speak ill about them. We speak ill to them. And then when things go wrong, we want to blame somebody else. And then the poor devil is the first one we are going to blame. Whereas we are the ones actually who are devils because of the way we act. So what, what I'm saying this morning, even as we start the year, believe that God will reward you this year. Believe that God will reward you and also reward your children. Okay. And another thing which I just want to say also in passing, if you work with people, you know, you are a boss, believe also in your workers. You know, that they can deliver, that they can, they can bring profit to the organization or to, to, the, to, the, to, to the business. And, you know, I, I read somewhere where somebody said something very interesting. He says, we like to catch people, you know, when they go wrong. You know? And he says, catch them when they do right. You know, and tell them how good they are and what they are doing. Because without faith, we cannot please God. And when we come to him, we must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. And then if you read in Matthew chapter 13, verse 58, it says, And he did not do miracles there because of their lack of faith. Jesus had gone back to his hometown. And then, you know, people had the things that he was saying. They saw the miracles that he was performing. And when he came to his hometown, they said, but is, is this not Joseph's son? Is this not Mary's son? What, what is he trying to achieve? No, he cannot do this thing that he's doing and what he's saying. And these people, just like in the other towns, they had needs. They needed miracles. But none of them could receive any miracles because of their lack of faith. And what I want to say this morning, the Bible says, if you lack wisdom, ask it from God, and God will give it to you. But it says you should not be doubting. You should not be doubting. You should not be like the waves of the sea. Because if you are a double-minded man, you will not get anything from the Lord. So when we come to the Lord, we must come in faith. We must not come to him in unbelief. And say, you know, I can see what he's doing for other people, but he can't do it for me. 
So we must believe, like the singer says, what God is doing for other people, he can also, he can also do it for you. He can do it for your children. He can do it for your parents. He can do it for your career. He can do it for whatever area in which you need him. But it will not happen if we have unbelief. And by the way, do you know that the Bible says also, uh, some, I mean, it talks about people who will be thrown into the lake of fire. And among that, it says, those who did not believe. So we must, we must believe. And in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 16, the Bible says, In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. So I want to say this morning that, the, you know, when you read in Hebrews chapter 6, by the way, it's where it talks about the armor of God. You know, it talks about the weight, it talks about the helmet of salvation, it talks about, so, it talks about prayer. But here I want to emphasize just the, the question of, of faith. That your faith is like a shield. And if you have walked with God long enough, you will know that your faith is your shield. So, when the devil comes to us, the first thing that he wants to get rid of from you is your faith. Because if you don't have your faith, you are defenseless. You are unprotected. So your faith is like, is like a shield. And the Bible says, take it up. Don't put it down. Because, you know, if, you have your shield, if your shield is down, it's as good as not having it. So take up your faith all the time. Walk with your faith. And I'm saying to you, the decisions that we take as believers, as we walk with God, we take them based on our faith. And remember, the Bible says, where does faith come? Where does faith come from? Faith comes from hearing the word. So we cannot separate faith from the word. So what do we do all the time? As we say, you will stand on the word of God through your faith. And your faith becomes your shield. And, 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 and remember, you know, what you said something very interesting here. I mean, if you want to give God an ultimatum. That's not based on the word of God. That's not based on faith. And remember, uh, Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego, when they were faced with a possibility of being thrown into the lake of fire, they, what did they say? They said, our God will save us. And even if he doesn't save us, we will not bow. So they had taken their shield of faith. And I'm saying to you, you will be faced with so many, many trials, so many, many problems. The only thing that is going to save us is if we are able to stand on the word of God and take up our shield of faith. And in that way, the Bible says we will be able uh, to stand. Okay, let's look further. Uh, in Romans chapter 12, verse 3. Remember, Romans chapter 12 is where Paul talks about uh, don't, don't do it to the standards of this world. Don't conform to the standards of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And then in verse 3 he says, For by the grace given to me, I say to every one of you, do not think more highly of yourself than you ought to think, but to think with sober discernment. 
and it goes on to say, as God has distributed to each of you a measure of faith. So you know, what I like about God is that he asks you to do something and he gives you the ability to do it. The Bible says, we are God's workmanship created in Christ to work to work in works prepared for us before the foundations of the earth. So God is asking us to do his will and he gives us the ability to do his will. God asks us to have faith, to believe, and he gives us the faith. How do you like that? You know, as they say, you, you, you buy one, you get one free. Okay. So, what I'm saying to you here is, God has given every one of us a measure of faith. So, nobody can say, oh, me, I have a problem. You want me to believe? I don't have the faith. I can't believe. You have that faith already. And I want to say, the, God, the faith that God gives to us, we, will, we can make that faith to grow. And ways in which to grow our faith, the first one is what you have done this morning, by coming. Give yourself a round of applause. I mean, you have, care. You have come this morning. You are here. And this is one step that you take to grow your faith. It's very important. And what we are doing now, prayer and fasting, is another way in which we can grow that faith. But through the study of the word of God, we do the same. But what you are saying is, there's initial faith that God has given to all of us. So nobody can say, me, I don't have faith. Okay, and let's look at Ephesians chapter uh, 2. Uh, we know the book of Ephesians, written by Paul to the church of Ephesus, and he talks a lot about uh, the fact that we as Gentiles, we were, we, we were excluded. Now God has actually brought us in. Now we are able to share in the, in the, in the blessings that were, were exclusive for, for Israel. And he then goes on to talk about this whole thing about salvation. And uh, verse 8 he says, For it is by grace you have been saved. You, you, you cannot save yourself. You cannot come to Jesus Christ on your own. The Holy Spirit must bring you through his grace. And uh, when we say we are saved, by the way, and sometimes we are the ones who are at fault. I mean, those of us who are Christians and sometimes the way we actually preach it. By the way, being saved does not mean that I'm the, the, the best person. Or even for that matter, does it mean that I'm better than you? You know, because people actually have that this resistance. If you say I'm saved, they say, no, no, what, what do you mean? Do you mean that? No, no, no. Well, being saved doesn't mean that we're better than anybody. All it means is we were in the kingdom of the devil. We were born as children of Adam and Eve, separated from God. And Christ came. He died on the cross for us. And when we believed him, Paul says, we were translated from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of the light of his son. So all we mean is, we have found grace. God has felt sorry for us. 
he, he wanted us not to remain in the kingdom of, of darkness or in the kingdom of Satan. He wanted us to come and be part of his kingdom. And that's all what, what, what we mean when you say we're saved. And remember what the Bible says also about the question of confession and the question of faith. The Bible says we believe with the heart, we confess with our mouth, and in that way we are saved. So exactly what we have been saying, we believe that God exists, we believe that he sent Jesus, and we believe that there was nothing that we could do to save ourselves. Because if there was anything that we could do, there was no need for Christ to come and die. So he came and died because there was nothing that we could do. Only him could reconcile us back to God. And the Bible says, you have, it, is, it is by grace you have been saved. And that's all what we mean. And he says, through faith. So we cannot be saved unless through faith, believing that Jesus came and that he died for us and that there was nothing that we could do to save ourselves. And even when we are saved, there's nothing that we can do to, to keep ourselves. Jesus must continue to keep us, to help us. And it is, it is through faith. And he says, and this not from yourselves. It is the gift of God. Not by works, so that no one can boast. And you know, let's just talk about this quickly. Um, you know, some people think there are good works added together. When they stand before God, those works will actually talk for them, speak for them. Say, God, I mean, I did A, B, and C. You know, you, you, you have to save me because of that. And the Bible says, our works before God is like a filthy rag. So, our good works cannot save us. But when we are saved, we do good works. Praise the Lord. And, and that's why if we are saved and we don't do good works, the, Jesus actually says, we are worse than the Pharisees. So, we are not saved by the good works, but when we are saved, God gives us the good works that we do. Alright, let's look at Jesus and his disciples uh, in relation to faith. The things that uh, they, they did with him. And you know something very interesting, Peter says, writing to people who have never met Jesus Christ like the disciples, he says, you are blessed because you believe in him although you have never seen him. So we are blessed. We have never seen Jesus, I mean, physically, but we believe in him. And also there was a, a woman in the crowd who said to Jesus, blessed is the woman who actually gave birth to you. And Jesus said, blessed are those who, who believe. So let's look at uh, this story of Jesus and his disciples. We're reading from Matthew uh, chapter 14. And here it says, immediately Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go ahead of him to the other side while he dismissed the crowd. This is the account where Jesus fed the 5,000 men with, was it two loaves of bread or three loaves of bread? Okay, five loaves of bread and two fish. <laughs> right. So what Jesus did after, after this particular incident is he 
images themselves to get into the boat so that they could go to the other side. And then verse 23 says, after Jesus had dismissed them, after he had dismissed the crowd, he went on the mountainside by himself to pray. Later that night, he was there alone. And the boat was already a considerable distance from the land, buffeted by the waves because the wind was against it. All right, and by the way, in this church, we don't prefer that, you know, I'm going to take the story and then I'm going to tell you a story out after, you know, take the story and tell the story from the story. So we are following the thought of the scriptures here. It says, shortly before dawn, Jesus went out to them, to the disciples walking on the lake. So Jesus is, is walking on the water. Okay, you know, there's a song that we sing, who can walk on, on the water except the Son of God? You know that song? Okay, Peter also walked on the water, by the way. So when the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. He's a ghost, they said, and cried out in fear. And then verse 27 says, But Jesus immediately said to them, Take courage. It is I. Don't be afraid. And then, uh, verse 28, Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. Come, he said. Then Peter got out of the boat, walked on the water, and came towards Jesus. I like Peter, you know. This adventurous spirit, um, never the one to keep quiet. You know, he always has an opinion. And in this particular case, he says, "Lord, if it's you, tell me to come." And Jesus says, "Come." But when he saw the wind, he was afraid. And beginning to sing, cried out, Lord, save me. You see, when Peter got out of the boat, he was looking at Jesus. He was not seeing anything around him. He was not thinking. He was just believing, you know, the Lord said, come. And he said, because my Lord said I must come, I'm, I'm going. But as he goes, he starts looking around. And then he started seeing the wind. And uh, remember, that is the problem that most of us will have, or that we have sometimes, that, that we sometimes encounter. When you start looking around, instead of focusing on what needs to be done. And often, uh, our faith is negatively affected by the things that we see, the things that we hear. And that's why the Bible says we don't live by sight, but we live by faith. So we don't live by, by what we see, by what we hear, and by how we feel. We live according to what God said. We do what God said we must actually do. And then we also don't live by the crowd. You know, what are they saying? You know, what is the latest thing? What is everybody doing? You know, so that I can also do the same thing. But when he saw the wind, 
uh, he was afraid. And remember, what, before Peter left the boat, the wind was already there. But when he went out of the boat, he didn't see the wind. It's on his way to Jesus that he starts seeing the wind. And when he begins to sing, I like what Jesus does. Um, it says, verse 31, immediately Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. So now our God is a good God. The Bible says when you are in trouble, call him and he will answer. You know, he's not a cruel God who will say, oh, you got yourself into that mess, see what you can do. That's not our God. When we are in trouble, we call upon him and he will answer. And he reached out his hand and caught him. And he said to him, you of little faith, why did you doubt? And the greatest enemy of faith is doubt. And that's the thing that we're going to have to deal with throughout our life. That enemy never goes away. When God calls you to do anything, the first thing which will creep into your mind is doubt. And the way to deal with doubt is to remind ourselves, you know, like somebody said, don't tell God the size of your problem. Tell your problem the size of your God. Because we are saving a great God. So, we need, like we say, singing this morning, our God is an, is an awesome God. It's an awesome God. And Jesus was saying, you know, you read Jesus' interactions with his disciples, many times they actually frustrated him. Uh, every time when he said to them, you of little faith. You know, I mean, after Jesus multiplied the loaves and the, and the fish, there was another occasion when there were many crowds again. And then Jesus said uh, to Philip, feed them. And Philip said, where, where are you going to get the money to, you need to, you know, the whole year's wages to feed these people. Jesus reminded them, by the way, remember, I fed the crowds the other time, same size of crowd or even less, and you were there. But somehow, and then I'll, I'll talk about this as we, as, as we go along just now. Somehow, the disciples were not able to connect the miracles that Jesus was performing and the next time when a miracle is needed. So next time when the miracle is needed, they're, they're, they're still confused. And, you know, um, sometimes our circumstances can cripple our minds. You know, when God set the, his people free from Egypt, the Bible says none of the people who were set free from Egypt, except only two, entered Canaan. And the problem was because these people had the mentality of Egypt. Every time they had a problem, they were saying to Moses, oh, you saw you wanted us to die here where there are no graves, etc. And then, and then Egypt was much better. We were eating there and so on. And here we were starving and so on. And people with that kind of mentality, you cannot make progress with them. Okay. And sometimes there's a, there's a, there's a cruel solution. You know. <laughs> yeah. So God, <laughs> make sure that 
All of them. All of them except two. And remember, uh, uh, Caleb and Joshua, when God sent the 12 spies to spy the land, it was only the two of them who came back and said, we can take the land. And the other 10 people were saying, no, those people are too strong, we, we, we can't do that, etc., 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 etc. And I'm saying, so the disciples also suffered from the same thing, that, I mean, Okay, remember the disciples were just like me and you, you know, if Jesus came today and he, he chose me and he chose you and then we were been living the life that we've been living all of a sudden you have got this person who's, who's God you know, who can do anything but in our minds I mean he's a, he's a man, you know Jesus the son of, of Joseph and we can also have the same situation where God continues doing things for us but our faith cannot rise above a certain level and it's important that our faith has to rise as God is doing things for us and as, as God works with us. Okay. Uh, and then here it says the same thing, you know, Jesus asked his disciples to go and when they, they were in the sea, uh, there were a lot of winds, uh, almost the boat was about to sink and they went and woke him up saying, save us Lord, we are perishing. And he said to them, why are you afraid? All you of little faith. I mean, you have seen all these things that I've been doing. You know, I can increase food. I can open blind eyes. The deaf can see. There's nothing I cannot do. So what's your problem? If I'm in the boat, why, why, why would you die if I'm here? And he said to them, why are you afraid, oh, you little of little faith? Then he rose and rebuked the winds and the sea, and there was great calm. And, there, and the man marveled, talking about his disciples, marveled, saying, what sort of man is this that even the winds and the sea obey him? And that's the kind of faith that we need to continue to remember. Jesus is God. You know, there's this scripture, every time when I'm driving around and I see a bed, you know, a bed on the, on the floor, you know, a dead bed, I always remind myself, Jesus says, not even one sparrow can fall to the ground without his knowledge. And he says, how much more does he care for you? He says, even the the, the, your hair, your hair is numbered. Jesus knows how many okay, what is the plural of hair, hairs? Okay. <laughs> okay. Alright, and I think even the Brazil, okay. It's fine, I just want to go there. Alright, uh, it's fine. Let's look at Jesus miracles in response to faith. How Jesus responded uh, to people believed. Um, we read this in Matthew chapter 8. Uh, when you, chapter 8 opens with a, a, a leper who comes to Jesus and he says to him, Lord, if you will, you can make me clean. So the leper comes to Jesus in faith and he says, if you will, you can make me clean. And Jesus looks at his faith and he says, the Bible says, and Jesus stretched out his hand and touched him, saying, I will, I will be clean. 
And the Bible says this man with leprosy uh, was clean. And I want, to sh- I want you to see something here. The disciples are with Jesus as this is happening. I mean, if you read in chapter 8. So the leper is healed. And then uh, from f- verse 5 to 13, uh, you have the centurion uh, century. Century means how many? 100, doesn't it? Okay. So in the Roman army, uh, there were uh, people who were given responsibility to a certain number of people. I mean, this particular one here, he was a man in the army, he was a high-ranking official in the army, and then he had under his responsibility 100 men uh, as, as soldiers. And he came to Jesus, and I, I like this man because he, he doesn't come to Jesus to tell him about his wife, about his child, about his cousin, but he comes to Jesus and he tells him about his servant. He says, my servant is, 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 is ill, and I want you to, to heal him. And Jesus says to him, it's fine, let's go, let's go so that I can go and heal your servant. And this man says to Jesus, no, 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 no. You, you don't have to come to my house. Because I'm a man of authority. I say to one man, go, and then he goes. I say to another one, come, and he comes. So, just say a word, and my servant will be well. This is what he says to Jesus. I mean, from my experience, I am a man in, in authority. I, I go around commanding things. You have, you can command sickness to get out of my servant. You don't have to go there. Okay. And uh, the Bible says, uh, but the centurion replied, Lord, I'm not worthy to have you come under my roof, but only say the word, and my servant will be healed. Verse 13 says, and to the centurion, Jesus said, go, let it be done for as you have believed and the servant was healed at the very moment. And then there's a whole conversation here where Jesus says, I mean, I've never seen such great faith in Israel. Okay, let's uh, look uh, further. So when it continues, uh, the disciples come to the, exactly the same thing where Jesus has to tell them, ye of little faith. Because somehow they cannot connect these miracles and the next one. Okay. But the last thing which I want us to look at uh, is in Second Kings chapter 6 uh, as we are closing. Uh, here is a story, a uh, very interesting story in the Old Testament about a prophet of God. Uh, so there was a king of Aram who was at war with Israel at that particular time. And what will happen is uh, when the king will strategize with his army what they want to do against Israel, uh, where are they going to position themselves and so on, and they found that Israel will always know what they were trying to do. And the king was actually worried, and he said there must be somebody here who is actually going to the Israelites and telling them what we are trying to do. And they said to him, uh, okay, uh, verse 11, verse 11 says, uh, so the king was enraged and he summoned his officers and demanded, tell me which of you, which of us is on the side of the king of Israel? And then somebody said, no, none of us, my lord, the king, uh, but Elisha, the prophet who is in Israel, tells the king of Israel the very words you speak in your bedroom. And then the king said, go and find where, find, find where he is. Okay? And then uh, the next night, Shaka, 
Then he sent horses and chariots and a strong force there. They went by night and surrounded the city. And then verse 15 says, When the servant of the man of God got up and went to, to, to out, out early the next morning, an army with horses and chariots surrounded the city. Oh no, my Lord, what shall we do? The servant asked. And then Elisha said to him, Don't be afraid. And you know, there's this repetition also from Jesus. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Somebody who studied this thing said, if you look in the Bible, there are 365 times when the Bible says, don't be afraid. So you don't have to be afraid on any day of the year. The Lord says to you, when you wake up, don't be afraid. So he says to him, don't be afraid. Those who are with us are more than those are with them. So they are more with us than those on the other side. And then I like Elisha. The Bible says Elisha prayed and he said I'm going to ask the worship team to come forward as I finish. Elisha prayed and said open his eyes Lord. Saying you must open the eyes of his servant. Open his eyes Lord so that he may see then the Lord opened the servant's eye and he looked and saw the hills full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. And I pray this morning that God may open our eyes so that we may see how awesome God is. And as we finish, the Bible says uh, in First Peter chapter 1, verse 7, remember we said our faith is more precious than gold. It says... The purpose of these troubles that you'll go through is to show whether you really trust God. When you believe in Jesus, that is more valuable even than gold. People put gold into a hot fire to see if it's real, it's really good. And even gold will come to an end one day. But if you continue to trust God in your troubles, he will be very happy. On the day when Jesus Christ returns, and appears to everyone, God will praise you. You will say that you have done well, and that will be great. God.